everyone. Welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. This is going to be a kind of a special episode today. I don't have Matt with me, like I said last time. He is off doing his vacation thing, visiting family. So I get to do something that I like to do, and I haven't done in a while, is a sort of get to know a podcast kind of thing. Now, these two gentlemen I have with me, I actually got to meet officially up at the uh, Monster Bash. We're going to talk a little bit about that. So I think I'd just as well to just go ahead and introduce them. Please uh, welcome Rich Chamberlain. Welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And also along with you, I have Jeff Owens. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having us. Uh, it's a, my pleasure. It, as soon as I realized I was going to kind of need the filler episode and it gave me an excuse to kind of do this, I'm like, I know the perfect guys. I know the perfect podcast. <laughs> well, well, I'm not sure how I feel about being filler. <laughs> I mean, that's a bad word. I, that, that's, that's, it's not a fair word to use, I guess. Well, we'll see how we do. It may be filler or worse. <laughs> now, I did, uh, I should mention your podcast is the Classic Horrors Club. Hi, this is Jeff Owens from the Classic Horrors Club. And I'm Richard Chamberlain from kccinephile.com and monstermoviekid.wordpress.com. We'd like to invite you to attend the next monthly meeting of the Classic Horrors Club on the Phantom Podcast Network. We think you'll enjoy our show, but don't take our word for it. Let's ask some of our listeners what they think. Excuse me, sir. What did you say after listening to the Classic Horrors Club podcast? I'll never smile again. Wow, that's a little mean. How about you, sir? Would you recommend the Classic Horrors Club podcast? It would be very dangerous, not only for you, but for others. Well, we do talk about classic horror, from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between, but I don't think I'd call it dangerous. I think that's enough from our listeners. I've always said we have the, uh, best fans? Why don't you give us a try yourselves? We meet once a month during the Classic Horror Club podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network, found at downrightcreepy.com or at classichorrors.club. Oh wait, here's one more listener walking his pet. What do you think of the Classic Horrors Club podcast? There's the stink of hell on this train. Even the dog knows it. Which is a podcast and uh, and kind of a, a an ongoing blog too, isn't it? It's kind of unique. Richard and I both had our our things going on as far as writing goes, and my blog was Classic Horrors Club. I'll let Richard tell you about his, but uh, long story short, I like probably you and a lot of listeners of um, the movie cast knew Richard from Wichita, Richard from Wichita, right? <laughs> right. And I started communicating and I just assumed he was in Wichita. And then one day I saw a post that he was in fact in Kansas city where I live. So one of us reached out, I'm not sure what we started hanging out and uh, I I thought that Richard brought a lot of podcasting experience with him, the different things he's done. I had always kind of wanted to do a podcast and didn't know a thing about it. So we just kind of came together. Um, it shares the name of my blog, but it, it's really a unique uh, creation of both Richard and mine. So, Richard, what was your um, uh, backstory, I guess? How did you get kind of started? What were you doing that did, you know brought you in other than the just – doing the uh, the occasional voicemails to other podcasts you know i think for me you know but the start of the voicemail happened in 2006 i mean so at the dawn of podcasting 
I, I've got to give a, a shout out to Joe Barlow and the Cinema Slave podcast. He was one of the first movie podcasts out there who covered not just a specific genre, but you know, across the spectrum. And once I left that first voicemail, I kind of got the itch. And after that, you know, I always kind of thought about doing my own podcast, but I didn't have the technical knowledge and. When I started my blog in 2012, by that point I had been leaving voicemails. I had been a guest several times on the B Movie Cast, and uh, I had done a couple of articles for Nick Brown's website, who's one of the co-hosts of B Movie Cast. And I did an article on the the Beast in the Beginning of Time, which is a, a movie made in Wichita in '65, and uh, it's never been released. Uh, and it's it's on YouTube now. It was incredibly hard to find for quite a few years. It's not a bad film, uh, all things considered. Uh, but it, it, I did an article on that, and then it went over really well. Nick said, do you have anything else? And I said, sure. And so I wrote an article on another movie made in Wichita called King Kung Fu, <laughs> which uh, that is actually released on DVD. You can find that one a lot easier. Um, and it's a lot worse actually. <laughs> and, um, I was going to do a third article and I started seeing people had blogs out there. And so I, I said, you know what? I can do my own blog. It's not going to cost me anything. And if one person reads an article, then great. I was just doing it mostly for me to kind of get back into writing, which is something I did when I was younger. And, um, uh, monstermoviekid.wordpress.com launched in October of 2012. And, uh, from there, I just I kept doing the blog thing, and uh, just in January of this year, I launched a second blog, uh, Kansas City Cinephile, at kccinephile.com, and that's kind of an extension. It, I cover everything monster-related, but I also have gone mainstream and go with other, uh, other films and articles like Alfred Hitchcock series I'm doing, and... Um, you know, meeting Jeff last year is just kind of like I was doing the blog thing. I'd had some articles published in a magazine, a local magazine, and he started talking podcast and it was something I'd always wanted to do. But I said, you know, I don't have the technical knowledge. He did. <laughs> did I? <laughs> well, more so than I did. And then we launched it in January, and, and we've had a lot of fun with it. And it's we're doing what we would have done anyway and what we had been doing for about six months before that. Every time we got together, we talked movies. So we just put a microphone down in front of us and turn it into something a little bit more formal. And we've been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's funny. Some Most of the stories all sort of start out the same way when you talk to podcasters. They all kind of get – I don't know who the first podcaster was because, frankly, it seems like every podcaster is someone that just heard another podcast and started writing in or started sending voicemails or something like that. So it's like one of those things like who really was the first podcaster that got all of us started? It's kind of bizarre. You know, Cinema Slave was one of the first, and it was out maybe a few months before Vince and the B-Movie cast because – it was on Cinema Slave that I heard an advertisement for B Movie Cast, and I've been listening to Cinema Slave for a while. Um, Joe's got to be one of the first ones out there, and unfortunately, he ended his show I think 2008. Um, but people still talk about it online, and I'm still friends with him on Facebook after all these years. So I've never met him, uh, which is the crazy thing about the community that we have. Most of us never get a chance to, to meet each other. 
um, you know, until well, this year, Monster Bash, a lot of us met for the first time. And I'd known people like, you know, Derek from Monster Kid Radio. I'd known him for, you know, 11 years. Wow. Fine, but we had never met face to face. So, um, but, I, you know, I'm going to say Cinema Slave, I think, is one of the earliest ones. And at least that got me to the B movie cast. A lot of people seem to talk about B movie cast as kind of a starting point. But for me, I'll go one step, you know, further back and, and say Joe and Cinema Slave was the one that hooked me up to uh, B movie cast. Oh, fantastic. And I also want to add, since Richard's talking about going more mainstream and everything, we both write for a website uh, called boomhowdy.com. And they have a sister website that I actually started out with, Downright Creepy. Downright Creepy is the website that hosts the Phantom Podcast Network. So uh, it's all kind of tied together there. But uh, Richard and I both do um, re- mainstream reviews for Boom Howdy or, or Downright Creepy if it's horror. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was going to ask how you guys got into the Phantom uh, uh, Phantom Network uh, po- or the what is it Phantom Podcast Network? Yep. Because it was uh, you, you guys are fairly new uh, podcast with only what do you have like eight episodes out right now? Yeah, we just recorded number nine yes or Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, I was gu- I was going to ask you how you guys got into a network because usually that's kind of uh, something that you you have to be established before you 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 find yourselves in a network. But obviously you you've got some. You've got you, you you had an in. <laughs> yeah, it's just from writing for the mm-hmm. guy Tim Canton that has done those sites. I've worked with him for years, and such he's a great guy and so laid back. And I've always I've teased him for probably two years about doing a, a podcast. I don't think he ever thought that I would. Finding a cohort in crime, you know, it's kind of you make a commitment you're going to do it. So uh, one day we figured out and posted it and. I guess whether he really knew he was getting it or not, he got another podcast on the network. <laughs> Always jealous someone that can actually put out the kind of content that you guys do and as regularly as you do with, with the writing. Uh, it, writing is something I enjoy doing. I I don't do it enough. I used to write reviews and everything for a website and uh, just write on my own, and it's just something I've gotten out of the habit of. And it's once you get out of the habit, it's hard to kind of – it, it's not the uh, riding the bike scenario necessarily. I mean, it takes some getting you, you write stuff and then you go back and reread it and ooh, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> some of my earlier articles were a lot shorter. Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, when I made the commitment, the very first month I did my 31 days of Halloween, I did 31 consecutive days my first month out of the gate. Uh, doing a, a post a day, and they were mostly two paragraphs at most. They were shorter, but it, I, you know, I definitely had the baptism by fire there. Yeah. Now, you know, at, since then, I try to keep myself to a schedule, but I've I've had to learn like this year um, doing the podcast and and trying to stay up on that, and you know, I do a segment for Dread Media, uh, which is. I don't have a schedule on that. You know, Des Reddick over there basically says, just send me something when you got it. Um, and I just started another podcast. The Memiverse monthly audio podcast asked me to do like a five to 10 minute segment a month. So I decided that with the writing, it, I'm not going to stress out if I don't make my deadline on it. You know, I'm in the middle of doing a series of Alfred Hitchcock films where I'm watching every Alfred Hitchcock movie chronologically from beginning to end i had hoped to get it all done this year 
not going to happen. And so I just, I stressed about it for a while and I said, you know what? It's kind of my podcast. I can do whatever schedule I want. Um, And so I'll just keep up with it, but it may be a couple weeks between posts now and, and, you know, the world's still going to spin, the sun's going to shine. And, and for me, the writing is, is almost become secondary right now to doing the podcast, which to me is kind of my primary obligation right now. And the, and the writing is just something I'm doing to kind of keep everything going uh, and having fun with it. And for me, writing, it helps two things. Number one, not to have much of a life outside of that. <laughs> and uh, number two, to be a combination of anal retentive and obsessive compulsive. That helps you keep on deadlines, and I, I'm really, I, I'm really bad, or good or bad about if I say I'm going to do something, I, you know, I, I do it. I, I am obsessive and worried about deadlines and being on time and posting things. But I will say, since we started the podcast, it's, it is very time consuming. I mean, mm-hmm. watching movies, doing research, recording, then editing. Uh, that has taken away a bit from the writing, but I think it's. I think we'll get more. I will get more into a regular routine of writing once this becomes more uh, comfortable for me. Sure. Well, I I hope it does eventually. I've been doing these podcasts off and on for five, six, seven years, and it's amazing how, like you were saying, it, they are they can be a time suck. Uh, you have no idea how much time you spend on these things until you realize how much time you didn't have for everything else that you wanted to do. I mean, I only put out, well, I guess I put out a total of three episodes a month between the two podcasts. And yeah, like you said, there's movies to watch. The, there's notes to write. There's a, And for uh, Orphan Entertainment, I have to do a synopsis uh, for for at least three quarters of the film, and then yeah, a little backstories and some research, and and then the editing, which you got to squeeze in, and yeah, I don't think people realize it. It's not just oh yeah, it's my friends. We get together and talk about movies. That might be how it starts, <laughs> but it it really balloons from there. But it's so much darn fun. I mean, it. I got bit by the bug hard when we started. I mean, that's I want it to be a priority. Well, we always joke about, for example, the upcoming episode is on Frankenstein, the true story, which is kind of following up on our interview with uh, our guest, our first guest on the show, Sam Irvin. And we were only talking about the one movie. Granted, it was a miniseries, two parts, three hours total. We we didn't honestly think we'd get two hours out of that, and yet we did, um, because you just get to talking – and if you've got good notes and you've got a lot of ideas, and then everything else just kind of flows from that. So Yeah, there's something we cannot seem to clock in one minute under two hours, no matter what we're talking <laughs> about. Uh, so, But, I mean, we only do it once a month, so I'm sure we couldn't maintain that every week if we were doing it that frequently. Yeah, sure. There are times, it always seems like the episodes that you sit down and you're worried that you're going to have the least amount of information or discussion on, those tend to be the ones that, oh my gosh, has it been an hour and a half? And I also made the mistake of just generically asking Richard how he was and what was going on. (laughs) That kind of started us off on the wrong track. We got off on a tangent and I can't even remember what it was about now, to be honest with you, but it took up a good 20 minutes because... We had to bring it back around and all from, how are you doing, Richard? And I'm like, 
Well, I have this thought, and then this thought, and then it just kind of... Yeah, and very little of that had to do with classic horror. Yeah, it, yeah, virtually none of it, so... But it was a good conversation. It had, did have to do with movies and related, oh, so yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it wasn't totally off track, but... It wasn't that deep of a rabbit hole, that's good. Yeah, but we, we went down a, a small rabbit hole in the very least. Yeah, the the bug that bites, a lot of it has to be... A lot of a lot of it has to do with the community that you ended up that you find yourself involved in, um, because you do kind of become this weird, twisted network of whether even if it is just digital friends, you you suddenly have these new friends and these are other podcasters or there are these others people that guest on these other podcasts and you all. And then eventually, if you're lucky, you actually do get a chance to come together and meet at some convention or another. And that's just and it is uh, I think Steve Sullivan uh, described it on Facebook that it was, it's like a family reunion with uh, people you didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. it really is. It's, and it's interesting how everything kind of fits together like a, a big puzzle piece. Um, you know, it's just it's for me, everything kind of started with the beast in the beginning of time. I was a movie that I saw as a kid. I lived in Wichita. I was fascinated by it. I had looked for a copy for a lot of years. When I finally found a copy, I, I shared it with Vince over at the B movie cast. He was fascinated by it. Hey, do you want to be a guest on the show to talk about it? Sure. I was a guest on the show that turned into, you know, what I think a year later, writing an article about it for Nick's website, which led to the blog. Eventually, I was asked to write an article about it for a magazine. And from that, you know, I met people who wanted a copy of it. And then it just kind of like everything kind of keeps coming full circle. It all started with that one movie. And then it just kind of branched out. And I met this person and this person and this person introduced me to that person. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting how we're all big one big happy family in a way, but we've all kind of connect with each other in different ways. And appreciate too is something that I don't know if you see almost in any other form is that there is no real competition. It's not like we're all trying to get and steal each other's numbers or anything. Everyone pretty much is always there to help another. If people have technical problems or, Oh, uh, we we need a we need a guest or we need this. Uh, there's always somebody that'll step up and oh, I can I can give you a hand with that or oh, good job for doing that one thing or getting that award. It it there's doesn't seem to be this uh, a a feeling of one-upmanship or anything amongst podcasters. At least not not the ones that I've met or or talked to or you know Facebook friend or or what have you. Yeah, and I was kind of a little bit worried about that and because I want to be unique. I don't want to do something that someone else is doing. So, you know, we have our own unique things. But the very first podcast, we had thought about it for how many months, and then we finally said, all right, let's just sit down and do it. We wanted to do King Kong uh, 1976 because the anniversary was last December. So we were all excited. We probably started watching movies, making notes. And then Derek on Monster Kid Radio announces his next episode. He's going to have <laughs> – I don't remember who on to talk about it. And, and, but he, I mean, he is so nice. He, he's just like, there's, you know, it's not a competition. There's room for whoever wants to do it. He's offered help. Uh, so, and that's the, my experience with anyone I've met, anyone else that's doing a podcast, yourself included. 
Yeah, and when you do come across where suddenly, oh, we were going to discuss that, what's really great is if another podcast is discussing it, a lot of times they'll say, oh, and you want another opinion, or you know, if you can't get enough, go listen to, and they'll you know, give you a, a little plug and, and, and send people your way, or at least hope to. And I think that's just, that's fantastic. Yeah, we did that just in the episode we recorded. I made a reference to, I think, Carnival of Souls and... and uh, you know, Jeff mentioned that I had covered that movie over at Derek's podcast, Monster Kid Radio, and, and said, hey, go back and listen to that episode. And and Derek, I again, let's give a shout out. Derek was more than generous offering his help, technical help, with questions we had in the early days of the podcast. And that was for me was I didn't want to step on his toes because I thought, well, gosh, you kind of have the monster, classic monster movie genre and he's just knocking it out of the park with each episode and i remember telling jeff I was like hey as long as we don't step on his toes and i said you know i'm okay and come to find out you know derek is just he said yeah more the merrier you know he doesn't view us as competition he views us as just a, another member of the family coming on board and so we we felt welcomed from day one yep spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit MonsterKidRadio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. You know, we've all joined this family one way or another, but we had to get there from somewhere. One of the things I've always liked to know is kind of what brought you to the fold as far as, I mean, going all the way back to what brought you into the classic horror? Because, I mean, you guys, I think, are uh, maybe a little younger than I am. It's always great to see, I mean, people my generation and, and younger that still enjoy the classic horror, these films that have come and gone sometimes a lifetime before we were even born. And so I'm always curious what brought you into it. Was it just that one film that you saw when you were a kid that just kept your mind kind of like focused or? Well, first of all, you are so kind, but I doubt if we're younger than you, at least I know I'm pretty certain I'm not. I was one of the original monster kids. I mean, I, I was born in 63. I grew up. Uh, at a sort of what I call the sweet spot, because that was the time all the Universal monsters were on midnight movies with horror hosts. And then at the same time, all the Hammer films were coming out at the drive-in. So it was really the best of both worlds. I had access to all of that. 
my mom was a big movie nut. We went to all kinds of movies and I just sort of grew up always liking the, the weird stuff. And, you know, I had a pictorial history of horror movies book that I think probably most kids of my age had. And I carry that around till it was ratty and torn. And I, I just was into it for some reason. And, and over the years I've had different interests, you know, you go through phases. I went through a Star Trek phase and, um, other types of phases, but it has always come back to classic, uh, monsters for me. Uh, and then specifically how I, I started my most recent blog is that Kansas city actually has a pretty good horror community. There, there's local filmmakers here. They do shorts and they compete in festivals and everything. They have a lot of events, but it's all to them retro, you know, is 80s and 90s. And that just, uh, that's not retro for me, you know. So I wanted to do something to bring, you know, the real classics in my mind uh, to the attention of, of people in Kansas City. So Richard and I were lucky enough. We got to host a, a screening of Bride of Frankenstein on Valentine's Day. Hopefully we get to do more things like that. But um, I just wanted my generation and my movies spoken for somehow. You know, for me, you know, I'm, I'm turning 50 this year, so I kind of miss that, you know, original Monster Kid uh, generation by a little bit. I was born in 67, and so we didn't have cable TV uh, until 77, 78, and we were one of the very first people to have cable. So prior to that, we had four stations. We had ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS. I didn't even have a UHF channel. So for about the first 10 years of my life, I had to go with whatever the local stuff was putting out. And the local ABC affiliate, thankfully, would play the classic monster movies from time to time. And so that's where I was introduced to, to Dracula and Frankenstein and Brighter Frankenstein and Creature from the Black Lagoon. I didn't see, you know, any Hammer films, for example, until we got cable. When we got cable... We got Channel 17, WTCG out of Atlanta, which eventually became a Superstation TBS. And they played Hammer movies with you know great regularity. And then we got Channel 41 out of Kansas City, which played movies all the time. And that's where I, I started seeing some of the other films. And then it was Creature Features on Saturday nights with Cremation Mortem, who would play a, a pretty interesting mix. I mean, she'd play... Some recent stuff like Tourist Trap and the Giant Spider Invasion, but then she'd throw in an old Karloff classic like The Black Room, and uh, so I, I, you know, and I watched a lot of those with my dad. My dad and I watched Creature Features together on Saturday nights, you know, with great regularity for years, and that's where I would see again a lot of these old classics. But a lot of it was just what was available, and that classics were the only thing that was available to me. And I had a book. Class and still have it. Uh, Classics of the horror film by William K. Everson, who uh, was a, a great film historian. I, I did an article on him uh, a couple years ago for my blog. I, not enough people talk about him. He was a true historian, uh, and and in the '60s and '70s, he was you know screening uh, films, uh, these classic films, and from his own personal collection, all films. But I mean, he loved the horror film genre, which is why he wrote two books about it. And that first book I had, you know, ever since it was published, I had it since, you know, I think the late seventies, I, I 
mid to late seventies. That was a Bible to me because it, it, it had movies that I had no access to had never even seen. And in fact, some of them I hadn't seen until maybe 10 years ago, like Strangler from the Swamp, which is not a great movie, but <laughs> I remember the picture uh, from that from that movie was is towards the back of the book. And, I, you know, so I, was, I would see these movies and like The Man Who Laughs it just had some truly, you know, horrific images from that film. I just made me want to see them. And so I just kind of had a wish list and, and, you know, still over the years, I just occasionally will, will find a movie that I haven't seen and and it's all in that book. So that's it all originated, you know, that time period for me. I wasn't a monster kid per se. I missed the generation, but I was definitely one in spirit. I don't know if I've ever asked you, Richard, do you have one movie that you remember early that uh, had an impact on you? Uh, well, think, while you're thinking, and it reminded me when you said uh, Cremation Mortem, our um, horror host from Oklahoma City was Count Gregor, and he did a, a Friday night thing. And I was, what, six or seven years old, Ghost of Frankenstein was going to be on. Now, at that age, I could not stay awake that long to watch it. So I would go to bed, and my father would wake me up to watch it. And I remember Ghost of Frankenstein because he said, why do you want to watch that? They talk pig Latin in that. And I didn't really understand what he meant by that. I didn't know he was making a joke, but I expected to be watching a foreign movie or something. And the next day, I'm like, I understood what they're saying. What do you mean? They spoke English. So that's an early one that, that sticks out for me. You know, I, I, I remember seeing Dracula and Frankenstein on a, like a Friday or Saturday night. But the, there's two that really, you know, three really that kind of stand out. I have a vivid memory of when I was, uh, I want to say, in eighth grade, watching Creature from the Black Lagoon at the high school on the big screen in 3D. Nice. They did a double feature along with, uh, what was it? It came from outer space. And I just vivid memory of that. And and then uh, not too long after that, Revenge of the Creature played locally on television in 3D. And they made a big deal about it. I think that played in other markets too. But that screening of Creature in the Black Lagoon, just it's still I still vividly remember sitting there in the auditorium mesmerized by that film because I'd never seen it prior to that. Um, and then Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Uh, we were on vacation. Again, I was like seventh grade, eighth grade, and it was a midnight movie. And I remember being in the hotel and there was that we were watching television, getting ready for bed. And there was a commercial at midnight, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, begging my mom and dad, can I stay up late and watch it? Because, you know, they were like, in the hotel room. So I said, I'll turn the TV so it doesn't, you know, the light won't shine on you. And I stayed up, you know, late until, you know, was that it was one thirty in the morning watching Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. I'd never seen it. And the, the image of the smoke swirling as the, as the opening credits started, I still have a memory of sitting in this hotel room, watching it on the TV, just transfixed. And I have a vivid memory of earth versus the flying saucers playing on a Saturday afternoon, on the local ABC affiliate um, sometime in the late 70s, um, sitting there in, in our living room. And, and I remember, you know, I think it was like a summer day because I think, you know, I think my dad was mowing the lawn or something and, and asked if I wanted to come out and help. And I remember, no, I'm watching Earth versus the Flying Saucers. 
transfixed and as the saucers were crashing into the monuments in Washington. Yeah. Those three movies are the ones that, that stand out the most for me. Well, yeah. So I'm, uh, apparently I'm the, I'm the, I'm the baby amongst the three of us. And that surprises me, honestly, <laughs> I just, I got so used to finding, uh, everyone else being a little younger than I am that I'm actually surprised to have anyone a little older than I am. So, Well, you have met us in person and we have such youthful appearances. <laughs> well, apparently you did, or I just, I'm not, <laughs> my memory, is, my, my judge, I, I cannot work the guess your age booth at, at the amusement park, I guess. I'm bad at that too. Uh, I was born in 71. So I, so not too far off from, no, no. not really. Uh, and I honestly, I'm probably coming into the the monster kiddom probably even a little late. I'm kind of a late bloomer as far as that goes. I did have a UHF station here in town. Um, WXIX Channel 19 was the channel here in Cincinnati. And they, of course, on weekend afternoons would play whatever they could get their hands on. And so I watched a lot of different kinds of movies. And, of course, the ones I remember most when I was a kid were things like the Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. And then uh, probably The Creature of the Black Lagoon, I'm sure I saw. Uh, there was a few other films that were just kind of, I don't know, less monster and more horror when you get to things like The Entity, I'm sure I remember watching. And I think the first real monster flick that I remember that like stuck with me, besides the Godzilla films, was the sometime in the well, what year was it? Uh, was the made-for-TV movie Gargoyles? Yes, that gave me nightmares. It took me thirty some years before I revisited that film because <laughs> <laughs> that just just scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Uh, doesn't have the same effect now that I've re- now that I've rewatched it, but. Yeah, that was an era when there was a there were a lot of good scary TV movies on. I think Tuesday nights on ABC, mm-hmm. um, Trilogy of Terror, and uh, see, and I couldn't watch a lot of those because my my parents wouldn't let me stay up and watch the scary stuff. I had nightmares from the Devil's Reign trailer whenever it would come on television because they would show the people melting in the church or whatever. Oh, right. And whenever that came on, I, I remember my mom having to run to the TV and changing the channel. <laughs> the trailers, you know, the movie's on, you know. So, yeah, and, you know, finally I watched it years later and, and kind of chuckled my way through it because it's really cheesy and bad, but good, and, and you know, for what it's worth. But there's a show on Shudder right now. I watched it the other night. I can't remember what it's called, but a, a guy talks about growing up and seeing the commercial for Magic on TV with Anthony Hopkins and the ventriloquist dummy and how he's been scarred by life from having (laughs) seen that trailer. He's afraid of ventriloquist dummies. Yeah. I don't think I came into what would be considered kind of the classic monsters until much later when I, it was kind of the, when I got older and could watch what I, actually, you know what, when the, when the video store generation kind of started, when you could rent and watch whatever you wanted to watch, that's probably when I finally got into seeing things like, Dracula and the Frankenstein and uh, the, the Universal films. And I've only recently uh, kind of dipped my toe into uh, the Hammer films. Well, I'm probably a whole foot in maybe by this point, but. I'm still making my way through. I haven't seen every Hammer film, so there's still some that that are on my list. I've seen all the Universal horror films. It took me a long time, but I'm, I'm still working my way through Hammer. I'm, I'm probably up to my hip. 
I'm not quite <laughs> a foot in. I'm up to my hip. I'm close to being submerged, but not quite. Yeah, even there's even some Universal films that you know have have escaped me thus far. That I haven't I haven't filled in the holes yet. But uh, it's all it's it's one of these things. It's another thing that podcasts do is you listen to the different podcasts and someone starts talking about a film that you haven't seen. You start you just write start making a list, and that list slowly grows and grows and grows. And then when you're trying to do your own podcast about your own things and you've got to try to find time to fit all that in, <laughs> it takes a while. Yes. And you still, yeah, you don't know every film because it was funny at uh, at Monster Bash. I had never heard of The Undead. Uh, the Roger Corman film, and we were in the movie poster room, and there it was staring at me. I'm like, what is this movie? And then, ironically, we go into the vendor's room, and there was at least three vendors selling a copy of that movie that I had never heard of before that day, and I obviously had to buy it. I had to add it to my collection, and, and it's a, honestly, it's a really good film, and I wrote about it for the blog. So, Oh, interesting. I've not heard of it either. Uh, Roger Corman, The Undead. Huh? I'm, getting, I'm getting a possible snare from <laughs> Jeff just borrowed my copy, and I, he might not like it as much as I did. But yeah, I didn't care for it too much. <laughs> I, I think the fact that I hadn't seen it, you know, probably, I, I was watching, I was like, ooh, this is like a lost treasure if I rewatched it, I probably would would see the flaws in it. But for me, watching that as like, I, you, you get to the point where you you know so many of these films and you know these movies you want to watch. So when you hear a new title that you never heard of before, it's like I've got to get that. It gets bumped to the top of the, my wish list because I've got to seek it out and I got to watch it. And you know, nine times out of ten, it it you didn't hear about it because it's really not that good. But it's it's still fun to watch something you hadn't you've heard about you know until maybe a few weeks earlier, and that reminds me I'm I'm kind of doing that with a series of films uh, I've never I've seen here and there a Paul Nashy film but I've never really uh, gotten into them and uh, you know finally enough people just telling me I've decided okay I, I got the Shout Factory box set and I've started watching uh, and so I'm using the uh, Nashy cast sort of as a companion with that so I watched Horror Rises from the Tomb and then. I think their very second episode they did was on on that, so I listened. Then they just did a um, update, which is kind of cool. It had been a few years. And guess who I heard as a guest on that one, Christopher? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was you. Yeah, I did. Uh, I wasn't able to actually guest on the entire show, unfortunately, but I did send in a um, an email or a, or a voicemail on that, didn't I? Okay, right. The idea was to actually guess, but I think uh, time and uh, we were having um, connection issues or something like that. So it, it, it didn't quite work out as, as well as I would have liked. I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I didn't know much about the Nashi films. And after uh, listening to, to a little bit of the Nashi cast, uh, once again, led there from probably B-movie cast or led there from uh, Monster Kid Rich, somewhere. Something led me to it. And so I've watched a few of the films. Horror Rises from the Tomb, I thought was good. I didn't, I wasn't as, you know, enamored with it as a lot of people are. I, I think there was, uh, my opinion was between the two versions that you could watch on the DVD, you know, the the sort of um, cleaner version mm -hmm. versus the, the, the more nudity and, and gore version, is a horror film. I thought the, quote-unquote clean version worked better as an actual scary movie yeah i could see that the it's i don't know i could see myself getting into these movies i watched another movie called the bloody judge which is not nashy but it's euro horror about the same era and 
you know, they've, they're all these grimy, dirty movies with naked women running around. And there's just something about them. I think the more I watch them, I seem to appreciate them more. Euro horror is kind of a, a weak spot for me. I haven't seen that much. And I'm, I'm kind of like you. I've seen some Paul Nashy films. I haven't been necessarily blown away, which I know is, is, is probably heresy for some. I don't dislike them, um, but I'm not drawn to continue to add them to my collection. Horror Risers from the Tomb, good movie. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't blown away by it. Uh, and I think that's just, I think we all are going to have those movies that, for whatever reason, we you know, we gravitate towards, you know, a guilty pleasure, whatever you want to call it, that somebody else may dislike. Case in point, I like The Undead, obviously, a little better than than Jeff. And sometimes when we watch these movies, a lot of it depends on our mood at the time. Yeah. I may watch, the, like I said, I could watch The Undead a month from now and be bored to death with it, or, or I'll find all the flaws. Um, you know, I sometimes if I have a bad experience with a movie... I will intentionally go back and rewatch it maybe, you know, a couple months later to say, okay, was this as bad as I thought? And sometimes, you know, we talked about this on another podcast earlier this year that we were on. We were talking about the movie Suspiria. Um, my first time viewing of that, I, I had a copy from uh, Netflix, and it wasn't a great copy, and I didn't enjoy it. Uh, and I was like, I should be liking this more, right, because this is a classic but the copy and print I was watching really wasn't that great. And I rewatched a high definition copy of it uh, a few months ago and thoroughly enjoyed it, uh, you know, 10 times better, you know, than I did the first time. And now I hear that there's a, a new, you know, restored print that's being released uh, in theaters and coming out on Blu-ray possibly before the end of the year. And I'll be adding it to my collection finally. Because I, you know, appreciate the film a lot more than the first time I saw it. And so I think sometimes with those movies, I think it just depends on where we're at, who we're with, and, and what's our frame of mind, and what other films are we watching around that time. How and, much have we had to drink? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes alcohol will help yeah. some of these films. No, I was going to say the same thing about Nashi because uh, – the Blu-ray version is just – it's like a different movie. And I hear some people say, well, you know, some movies aren't meant to be cleaned up and, and watched in Blu-ray. They originally came out in a grindhouse theater or at the drive-in, and those were horrible prints. That's how it's meant to be viewed. But for me, it made all the difference in the world, and I think that's why I liked it so much better the second time than the first time because it wasn't choppy and it wasn't jumping and fuzzy and – all of that. See, I'm that way with Star Trek. I, I, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I, I, it's one of my very first memories as a child is watching Who Mourns Fratineas, the Greek God Apollo episode of Star Trek. And so I know that it's out on Blu-ray. I know that they've remastered it. I know there's new special effects. I will go back to my very first DVD set that I had, and I will watch those original special effects I will watch the show in its original production order, which I know is not the end thing to do now because that's what I grew up with as a kid and that's what I'm most comfortable with. I can sit there and watch the remastered versions and acknowledge that, sure, the picture looks better, this and that, but my comfort zone is watching those you know, slightly dirtier prints with the 
usually cheesy special effects and the shots of the Enterprise that don't always make a lot of sense because that's just my comfort zone. Christopher, did you have you watched another Nashi movie since then? Yeah, I've seen a couple, and I'm trying to uh, rack my brain trying to think of the title. There was one where well, it was like a Jekyll and Hyde sort of and werewolf crossover kind of thing. Um, and I can't think of what it was called. And I really enjoyed the heck out of that one. Yeah. Uh, so whereas I didn't care so much for Horror Rises from the Tomb, which was supposed to be, you know, the the top or whatever, the apex of the Nashi films, it was this other one that I, I that I watched and like, this one's crazy. It's just so insane that it, it was enjoyable as, as all get out. And I was going to say that I think what happens is it's hard not to go into a film with some sort of expectation. Uh, when someone recommends something, where they're saying, oh, this is a really good one, you need to watch this one, or you hear someone talk about it on a podcast and how much they like it, or or even maybe they don't like it, but you decide that you go and watch it, it's hard to sort of remove yourself from that when you sit down and watch it. And maybe that was the sort of thing with Horror Rises from the Tomb, is I heard so much that I went in with these expectations and then watched it. It didn't quite meet those expectations and so for me, so it got it actually does the opposite effect. And had I found my way to the movie on my own, maybe I would have thought differently of it. Yeah, I tell you, I guarantee there are more movies, uh, or there are fewer movies that are bad than there are movies that don't meet expectations. Say that again. There are more movies. There, that there are, are <laughs> there are fewer movies that are really and truly bad than there are. Movies. Okay. Just don't meet your expectations. You said more movies. Did I? I'm, uh, <laughs> hey, I was getting very deep there. Didn't I think the movie you were talking about is Doctor Jekyll and the Werewolves. Yes, thank you. That was the one. I enjoyed that one. I, that one was I, just... I saw that one too, and I agree that that's that one I enjoyed better than Horror Rises from the Tomb. I agree. And that one was one that I just sort of came into on my own. No one told me anything about it. I just sat down and watched it and and enjoyed it. Uh, immensely um i enjoyed the um the nashi um mummy movie he did a he did the mummy maybe it was just called the mummy i don't remember but yeah, um, that, one. that one i i enjoyed as well i'd like to see all of his werewolf films and i know that you know some are better than others and some are harder to find than others but if i was just you know to want to really dive into the nashi films i would i think that's where i would start is like give me the list and 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 I'll I'll make my way through all the werewolf films. And see, that's my problem again, being anal retentive slash obsessive compulsive. I will feel like I need to watch them in order. And I know they're not <laughs> connecting stories. You know, I, I know I could pick anyone and watch, but I just I don't know. I want to see the progression of. And you have to watch all of them. You can't just stop midway through. You're going to have to watch all the series in one sitting. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a lot. <laughs> Take a weekend off. Yeah. I think I think everyone agrees that that we all need more time to watch these movies. If we yeah. all become independently wealthy, and and like somebody could come along and buy an island, and we would just all move to the island and just watch movies all the time and get absolutely nothing done. Yeah, I like it. That's a that's a dream right there. Okay. Yeah, Monster Island. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'd I'd buy the ticket today. Send me there. Just blow up a screen like they did at Monster Bash. We can sit back in our beach chairs. <laughs> our beach chairs. Yeah. Perfect. Now, there was, I actually, at Monster Bash, there was a film that I stumbled on, didn't know anything about, uh, never heard of it before, but it happened, it was kind of like put front and center on one of the tables because it was co-written by Rico Browning, who was the, uh, the one of the guests there at the Monster Bash. It was called Island Claws. 
Oh, that one. I thought you were going to go with Mr. No Legs there for a second. Nope. <laughs> Is that the one that he directed? Yes. I think Mr. No Legs was the one he directed. Did he Did he write that as well? Or was that just a director? I think he just directed that. I, I, yeah. I had been familiar with Mr. No Legs. I think Vince mentioned it over at BeMovieCast a few years ago. And I picked that. That was my pickup uh, on, you know, Juan suggested it. And, uh, but I, I know the, the Island Claw, I had never heard of that one either. Uh, until Monster Bash, and I did not get a copy of that. So I went ahead and picked up a copy. It was only like ten dollars. I'm like, okay, what the heck? This sounds interesting. It was co-written, and it's some sort of giant monster or something or other. I loved it. I mean, it's cheesy. It's probably not what you would consider a good movie, but I enjoyed that to no end. And there was an actually probably one of the best monster reveals that I think I've seen in a long time. Hmm. I remember seeing the cover box in the video store, but I've never seen it, the movie. Yeah, yeah. it's on my list, though. I mean, mostly because having met, uh, you know, Ricky Browning at, at Monster Bash, and I became aware of that, I was like, yeah, I'd kind of like to get that. He didn't seem overly excited that, that he was autographing my copy of Mr. No Legs. I'm not sure <laughs> really proud of that. I, I, I got him to sign a couple of other things that he had it there on the table and I picked up a copy of it and said, I'll take this too. So um, I know that's a movie I think he kind of wishes just would go away. And here comes Juan along with a few copies and says, here, you can sell some copies. And uh, it, he didn't really say anything bad about it, but I, I could kind of tell he was like, even a little surprised. I don't think he even realized it was on his table. So mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. Yeah. I've, I've heard from a couple of sources that that's not a film he's proud of, <laughs> but I kind of wish I had known about Island Claws um, before I, I, I went and just talked to him briefly, had him sign something. I didn't know anything about Island Claws. I wish I did, or I would have, or I wish I had known about it before and had watched it. Uh, so I could actually talk to him about it. Because now I'm like, oh, now I got all these questions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Island Claus is that Santa's brother from south of the border? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He wears a. Uh, it's Santa's lay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we keep bringing up Monster Bash. I, I think all three of us had so much fun there with everybody. Uh, we should talk a little bit about that since we were all there. It's where we all got a chance to to meet, and we found, you know we weren't just voices on some podcast or, or or names under some blog. This was your first Monster Bash for both of you, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, it was. It it had been on my bucket list for quite a long time. Ever since Vince started talking about it eleven years ago on his podcast, I. I had a conflict for a lot of years. I would go down to a, a convention in Tulsa called Trek Expo in late June, right about the same time. And I would go down there. And a lot of those years I attended with my dad. In fact, the last year, my dad was 80 years old. He was the oldest Trekkie there and he was still loving it and enjoying it. So I had to go to Trek Expo and I, I could never make it to Monster Bash. And this year the planets aligned and the stars aligned and, and finally made it and, yeah, I, I, it was fantastic, and that's an understatement. Yeah, I don't know how it came into my mind. I wanted to go a couple years ago when they had their theme was Hammer, and they had several of the Hammer women there, but didn't. And um, I, I guess I hadn't. It wasn't really on my bucket list like it was yours, but it, it sure is now. It's you feel. I felt like I was home. 
Yeah, I think I had heard about it uh, probably through Vince from the B-Movie cast. And then uh, when Derek Cook went uh, a few years back and just raved about it for about a year, every every episode, not an episode went by on Monster Kid Radio that he didn't mention the funny head at Monster Bash. I thought, all right, fine, fine, I'll go this year. Of course, he didn't go that year. I'm like, well, that's the whole reason I was going to go. <laughs> but I ended up going, and I ended up meeting. I got a chance to meet Vince that year, and and Mary, and and Juan, of course, was there. And then I met all these other people, and I'm like, okay, I'll go back next year. And that's when I met Rod and Troy uh, from the Nashy cast and Beyond Nashy, or the Bloody Pit, I guess, is is uh, the other podcast. And and then so I'm like, okay, I was going to maybe not. They're like not go i was gonna sit a year out they're like oh and then it's found out it's the 20th i'm like oh well i can't miss the 20th right <laughs> and so then and so mary's there again i get to meet nick brown and his wife fiona and juan is still there i get to meet you guys and it's just yeah it's fun because i i, I love watching some of the movies I, I like a chance to talk and, and seeing some of the guests and everything but honestly it's just turned into this who am i going to meet this year and who am i going to see again I was I was really humbled. I had a lot of people coming up to me throughout the weekend saying, are, "Are you Richard from Wichita?" I mean, they I think either recognized my picture from Facebook or recognized my voice or saw my name tag and I you know, I had been doing the voicemail simply because I love Vince and the show and I regrettably never had a chance to meet Vince face to face, but as people would come up to me, you know, I was it was exciting and stuff, but after the weekend was passed, I just really kind of thought about it, and I was just very humbled because I, I'm just a guy who loves movies, who would call and leave a voicemail, and to have people be excited to meet me um, really, it made me happy, but it just, it, it was, I don't know, it was just a, kind of a surreal experience, and it, it just kind of made me feel like, I don't know, all these years of, of being this this goofy nerdy guy who loves all these these monster films and that that are silly i don't know it just i came away from that just with a smile on my face thinking wow i I don't know kind of like it all paid off and meeting these people who are just like me as vince as derek calls it you know he's met his tribe definitely felt that way after the weekends finally meeting a lot of these people that you know some of them i'm friends with but some of them i weren't you know but i would they i recognized their name or voice once they started talking and it was i don't know very very humbling and my experience was a little different in that i didn't really know a lot of people before then i mean the richard's largely talking about the podcast community i was like a silent listener i never called in or wrote in but i and i listened to just a few podcasts but you know since we started doing this i've met so many more people and then met so many new people that i'm looking forward to getting to know better online and participating in in things just like you, like we're doing now. So it was, uh, I guess in a way for me, like I'm looking forward more from my experience uh, where Richard's got that rich history to look to back, look back on. And I'm sure you're looking forward to, but it's, it was all new for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. It was new for me in, in some ways because I, it was meeting these people face to face. You know, I was always uh, really, in, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, you're connected virtually with these people, but I had never met anyone face to face. I had never 
had that experience and actually meeting Jeff last summer was the first time I had met another monster kid, you know, in, in face to face. And as luck would have it, we're both in Kansas city. And then I met Juan, uh, in April, I happened to be down in Florida and, and then having an opportunity to then make monster bash several months later and finally meet Mary and Nick. And I had met Steve Sullivan last September in Minnesota. I had met Christopher R. Mim last you know, June when he was here. So I, all these kind of little piecemeal things, but all of that's just in the last, you know, what, 13 months um, that I've actually started meeting people face-to-face. Prior to that, it was all just virtually and online, which was great, but it, putting real people, real faces to these interactions just really makes it all, I don't know, just it just makes it real. It makes it just very much... Um, going beyond just me being somebody who calls in and and writing a blog or whatever. It's just like now I'm starting to – I feel like I'm really immersing myself into the whole community just in the last 13 months. Well, when you, and it, when you find out that you're not just talking to the air, you know, someone's actually hearing and listening, and then you've got all these other people that will listen to you talk even if it's not for a podcast, you just want to talk about a movie while you're in the room. People are going to listen. And for me, it's great because I walk away with like, again, the list keeps growing. I keep hearing, I end up talking with people and hearing about films that I've, I've never heard of before, or maybe I've heard of and haven't seen, but I can see the passion in people's eyes when they talk about it. And I think, Oh, okay. That one's got to move up the list a little bit. (laughs) I think when we had people coming up and and we're talking about our podcast, you know, which which happened, you know, several times throughout the weekend. That made me happy. I mean, it, we're just again, you know, let's just do this and see what happens with it. And then when we saw, you know, how many people downloaded after the first month, and you know, and it trickled off a little bit after that, which is to be expected. But then to have the, you know, someone come up and say, you know, hey, I love what you're doing on the podcast, and you know, I, I was, I think it was Tom and Wolfie, who were longtime listeners over at the Movie Cast, had said that. There was, uh, I don't think they really even connected entirely that, you know, it was it was me and Richard from Wichita, but they had listened to the show and it said that, you know, it had the spirit of the B-movie cast and that made them happy to listen to it because we're a clean podcast. We don't go raunchy. We don't, you know, we're covering these old classic films and we're just having great conversation and, and that's... Again, that was something we talked about from the beginning is that that's just kind of who we are anyway, but um, kind of do it in the spirit of some of these other podcasts that, that we've listened to and looked up to. And that people say that was, was again, it was just made me, made me smile. It makes me smile now just talking about it. Richard, you say that, but you know why it takes me so long to edit because I'm cutting out all your curse words. So <laughs> yeah, as you're painting now, I know the real Richard. Well, you need to do what Derek does when, when yeah. uh, Ms. Brand is on there. You do, do the <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, they say that, you know, it doesn't matter if anyone listens, you know, you, you do it just to do it. But when someone does listen, it's, it, it does add something to it. It's like, Wow, you know, we you, now you want to do a good job, you know, you want to people to like what they listen to, and uh, for me it was Jonathan Angarella when he I think he emailed me or, or messaged me before Monster Bash just when he had listened to one of our episodes and said how much he liked it, and I'm like, wow, you know, someone really did 
listen thank you you know yeah he made he made my day after the monster bash because he, he found out about my podcast and he went back and was listening to older episodes and he, he messaged me to let me know that he was almost he all he was almost through him and he really liked him and he had a couple highlights I'm like, oh okay good yeah okay someone i didn't already know <laughs> that, that actually went and listened to it that, someone that wasn't a friend of mine i or at least he was only a brand new friend right so i thought that was that was really cool of him all right. Well, I tell you what, before I let you guys go, something Matt and I are going to be discussing in a future uh, podcast is films that we know aren't necessarily that great, but we still love anyway. A lot of people call them guilty pleasures. I personally don't like using that term because I unabashedly love them and I'm not a, ashamed of them <laughs> in any way. I don't feel guilty watching some of these movies. So I'd, I'd be curious to know if you guys have uh, one or two that you could just mention and and bring up well i mean night riders i think is a guilty pleasure for me i mean i can honestly say i've probably seen that movie 30 times <laughs> um and, it, and it's been a long time since i've seen it though so it's almost like i'm watching it for the first time and it, it, but yet i'm remembering things as, as it's happening um and the devil's reign i think i mentioned it earlier i mean to me and that's there's a lot i mean you got ernest borgnine as the devil in that one, a very cheesy devil. That's a guilty pleasure of mine. It had this mysticism around it because it frightened me as a kid. And when I finally saw it, you know, and, and I saw it because William Shatner was in it, right? But, I mean, you've got John Travolta in that film and, and Tom Skerritt and uh, Ida Lupino, if I remember correctly. Yep. I mean, it's it's got a crazy cast and it's, it's, it's a bad flick, you know? And then speaking of Shatner, you could... <laughs> Certainly throw in Kingdom of the Spiders in that one as well. I think that the, those, you know, are some some cheesy flicks, but yet to me, I can plug them in and, and I'm gonna sit there and enjoy them no matter what. And for me, I don't think any of my guilty pleasures are horror. I mean, I just I love horror no matter what, and I, I don't consider I either like it or I don't. I I I don't know. I don't look at it the same way now. However, other genres. Some of my favorite movies are probably some of the worst movies, if you ask anyone else. My favorite musical? Oh, no, it's not Sound of Music or Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. It's Xanadu. <laughs> it's an awesome movie. I love it. I could sit and watch it over and over again. Pirates of Penzance? Pfft, the pirate movie with Chris McNichol and Christopher Atkins. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, Simon Birch. A absolutely horrible adaptation of a John Irving novel, which I can't remember the name of. I will weep buckets every time <laughs> I watch that movie. It, I, I those are movies I I just go beyond even liking. I just love them, and I I don't think anybody else does. I think I'm the only one. I I will admit that I once upon a time had the Zanadu soundtrack in my vinyl collection. It was purged many years ago. I was actually at a record store yesterday, and they had a copy of Xanadu. I was tempted to buy it for you. You know. Well, I'm glad you didn't waste your money because, of course, I have it. I'm sure you did. That's why I thought you probably <laughs> got it for its, all of its Livy Newton, John Elo goodness in that. But uh, is yeah, I, I can't top. I can't top your list. Uh, yeah, it's like. The pirate movie. I mean, really, that's that's. And I know they're not good. I. But I just I love them. I for me I think I don't know if there's a 
really a bad movie, right? If you sit down and you enjoy it uh, and it makes you happy or it, it just, you know, whatever effect it has on you, then it then it, it's good for something, right? I mean, if it entertains you, I can always find there's very few movies that I consider a bad movie. You know, there, there's a few that I can throw out there, like the Mesa of Lost Women, whatever, that has, like, you know, one song that plays, you know, throughout the hour and 15 minute time. <laughs> Paul Blart Mall Cop, that's a bad movie. But I don't know. Most movies, I can always find something redeeming about it. Uh, and again, even if it just entertained me or made me chuckle or something, I, I'm a positive person. So I find something good in just about every movie out there. I try when I ask people if they've seen something to not say, was it good? Because that's relative. But I will always try to ask, did you like it? Because like you're saying, it doesn't, the quality doesn't really matter if somebody likes it. Yeah, or what did you like about it? No, I agree. And yes, there are even even the movies that, like I was saying, that are just most people might think bad. I mean, if you watch it, if you enjoy it and if, if you if you chuckle at it or if you just find something or maybe there's just one particular actor that is, is giving it their all and is like just heads and shoulders above all the rest. You enjoy them. Then you enjoyed the movie. And it's so, yeah, there's something good to be to be had. I love finding the diamonds in the rough, too. Sometimes you can just dig through a film. You don't know, especially some of these films, they end up on these hundred mega movie box sets. Yeah. You know, you know, whether they're public demand or whether they're just someone like, uh, yeah, sure, you can have it. Give me like ten dollars, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And they end up in these sets. And every now and again, you stumble across one. You're going, wow, that was good. That's how I found Carnival of Souls. It's actually it was just some flick that was on some mega movie box set, and I watched it. And I'm like, and what is this doing on here? I think, you know, I find a lot of pleasure in a lot of the Bela Lugosi films, yeah. you know, that were, you know, that are public domain, that had never been released on VHS, that were circulating on bootleg copies. But then when Alpha Video comes along, they brought all of these movies to light and were cranking them out. And I was, I was buying all of them. I was like, oh, another Lugosi film. And there's some good ones in there. I mean... Yeah, you've got films like Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn Gorilla that there's not a lot redeeming in there other than it's just it, it does kind of cross the line and so bad it's good because you've got the Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis wannabes. But, um, you know, there's there's, you know, some good Lugosi films out there that didn't really get recognized and still get kind of thrown on those, you know, public domain hundred movie sets for $20, $10, whatever they or you can get them for free on archive.org or, or YouTube that they're actually not that bad. Yeah. I'm only really kind of getting into some of more of a Lugosi's uh, filmography. I honestly hadn't watched a lot of things outside of his more famous roles, you know, obviously Dracula or, um, Oh, Oh, Ebbett and Costello beat Frankenstein and that kind of stuff. So now I've been watching, uh, I've watched The Black Cat. I've watched, um, I think, Black Friday, The Invisible Ray. And, you know, each one of those have their highs and lows, but enjoyable as all get out. Because it's some of, it's Lugosi, it's for me, anyway, seeing Lugosi, unlike I'd ever seen him before. And that just, that makes it a lot of fun. 
Well, when you work your way down to the Brooklyn Gorilla or <laughs> Old Mother Riley meets the Vampire or uh, Zombies over Broadway or at Broadway or whatever that was, uh, yeah, you're going to have to look for the good moments in there. There's a few, but they're, you're going to be outnumbered. But even then, I don't know, they, they bring a smile to my face. Well, guys, I have kept you plenty tonight, so let me just give you a chance, you guys, to uh, go through your your blogs, your websites one more time, and um, and then I'll, I'll I'll let you go because I'm sure you got other things to do. We're gonna go get ice cream. Yay! Good for there, you. And this is not just regular ice cream. There's a new place just a couple blocks from where I live, and they have burnt end ice cream. Say that again. Burnt end. Burnt ends. You know, barbecue. Oh, okay. In ice cream, and I just I have to have it. <laughs> I have to. All right. <laughs> so yes. Anyway, uh, my blog is classichorrors.club, and I have social media sites and channels: Facebook, Twitter. I post movie posters to Pinterest. I have a YouTube channel, so that can all be found under classichorrors.club, not .com or .net .club. Very good. Um, and then write for Boom Howdy and Downright Creepy. I've got uh, the main website, Kansas City Cinephile, is at kccinephile.com. Everything I write, everything I do, every podcast appearance gets posted there. I still have monstermoviekid.wordpress.com, but uh, anything monster-related is going to go on KC Cinephile. So if you go to kccinephile.com, you get every single thing I do, and uh, that as well. Uh, even for everything I write for Boom Howdy gets posted there as well. So... Uh, that will get you everything that I uh, that I put out, podcast written wise, or occasionally an article. As I work my way through the Hitchcock films, very slowly, I've got two more films before I get to the good stuff. I've got waltzes from Vienna. If, if anyone is a Hitchcock fan, they know I, I've got. I'm one of the worst films of all time for for Hitchcock is coming up. I've got to make it through that before I get to the original version of The Man Who Knew Too Much with Peter Lorre. And then things start getting good. So I'm hanging up by a thread, committed, <laughs> and it's going to happen. And I guess just real quick, we should mention the podcast. I always forget to mention that. But Classic Horror Stock Club podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network. Our next episode will hit on uh, the first Monday of August. That might be the last day of July. But it'll be our talk about Frankenstein, the true story. And uh, we hope you listen to that. Excellent. Very good. And I'll have links to, to everything in the show notes, so it's going to be a heavy link show note there, but you'll be able to find everything real easy. So, Reds, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, you know spending this hour with me. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad uh, glad we got together. This was definitely not a filler. This was this was a fantastic episode. Yeah, thank you. I had a great time. So yeah. thanks for having us. Had a fantastic time. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, you guys, you know, come back anytime you want. Maybe we'll have to schedule something. We'll actually have a film or something to uh, to, to talk about and, and get you guys back on in the future. Love to do it. Yep. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank Bye. You.